Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. The year is winding slowly to a close and what a strange year it has been. You may be a parent looking to the new year knowing it will be your child's first year of big school. Some parents will know without a shadow of a doubt that their kid is ready for school. Others will wonder, is it too soon? So how do you know whether your child is ready for the next big step? Maggie Dent is an author. Her latest book is From Boys to Men, and she's also the host of the ABC podcast, Parental as Anything, though that is not even half of what she does. She's a mum of four boys and a very happy grandma to six. Hello, Maggie. How are you? Hello, Siobhan. I I still don't know how you do everything, Maggie. I just... Oh boys, six grandkids, books, podcasts, I was events. that annoying child in classroom who could hardly ever sit still because I was always a high energy child. I think you call them roosters. I call them roosters. And it's it, and when it's interesting because when COVID's lockdown happened and eighty percent of my work fell off a cliff, um, yeah. I decided I had to do something. Um, you know, I was trying to do three predictable things every morning, make my bed, make a cup of tea and clean my teeth so that I felt I had control of my life. And then I thought, <laughs> no, that's not enough. So I painted the outside of our house. <laughs> and um, it looks fantastic. And the mindlessness <laughs> of painting was really helping me not not get too distressed and, and anxious and worried and sad that I was locked away from everyone. So isn't it? That I like little projects. Uh, if I get oh, bored. Little Little projects. You painted your house. I know. It looks fabulous. And the only problem was my hubby doesn't paint well, so I didn't let him do it. Um, but he did the sanding. He was awesome. And um, he just couldn't reach one bit at the end. So I actually asked him if he could get up and do that for me. And, oh, my oh, goodness, no. he fell off a stepladder and he's six foot three and landed on his shoulder and ripped his rotator oh, cuff. So that God. meant the next few months I was a nurse as well as a painter. <laughs> He's oh, good now. Everyone worried. He's good now. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad Steve's okay. Um, all right. Well, now we know that you have painted your house. Uh, I, I don't even want to think about what you're doing now. Um, can you tell me, how can you tell if your child is ready for school? Oh, look, this is such a biggie. And I bet you remember making these decisions too, Siobhan, and so did mm. I. And I'm going to say uh, first up that um, every single child, um, is very different and when we're considering these things. And I want to go through some of the things because what we seem to have done, and remember, we have pushed formalised learning down at least 12 months. So the five-year-old, my boys, did four half days as five-year-olds and they they basically spent it in a sand pit. Um, <clears throat> so our expectations have increased, um, but yet our children don't develop any faster just because grown-ups want them to. Um, and that really causes me a lot of concerns, particularly as I'll touch on in a moment about boys. So what it also has with our pushdown of formalised learning and our testing kind of education system, many parents seem to think that if they can't count to a 1,000 or recognise letters or write their own name, that they won't be ready. And we have a really, really big kind of message that there's a five different areas that we'd love you to consider your child. Are they ready? And I rather than your child ready for school, is school ready for my child? Mm. Because um, by putting so much more pressure onto the teachers of um, five-year-olds, they have less time to, um, A, identify children with what we call developmental vulnerabilities and support them 
and encourage them to grow before the formalized learning happens because it all happens within the first six months. So we know there's physical strength. Now, some children could be reading Charlotte's Web as the little girl sitting next to one of my sons was doing. I nearly passed out. (laughs) He couldn't quite write his full name and she's reading Charlotte's Web. Some children just take off like rockets and pick up language really easily. So, But she was really tiny and um, fatigued really, really enormously. So her, I remember her mum, she had Wednesday off, you know, the whole first term um, because she just was too much for her physically. So we've got physical health and wellbeing. So your children, if they've got additional health concerns and challenges, uh, and that also can um, include um, sensory processing, if they're very sensitive to too much noise or, or other things that you've noticed, then that environment may create too much stress for them until they're a year older. So we know the social stuff. And to be really honest, this is huge, is that can your child interact with others? Um, are they comfortable um, talking to grown-ups like their teacher? Are they um, are they able to make friends or move away? We're not saying, you know, all the time, but we're saying those sorts of things, the social and emotional stuff, in actual fact, can be the big thing that can create the worst transition. So we've got to look at the whole child as we transition them. Um, Are they able to kind of follow directions and listen? I know that sounds ridiculous, but, and we know boys have enough trouble with that anyway. So um, practicing some of those things can definitely help. And I'm going to give you a few more tips on that. How much of their language, you know, are they able to articulate? Some of our children have um, definite challenges with their um, speech. So, um, and one of my granddaughters um, needed to do many, many months of speech. She was a, a terrible dummy sucker that took ages to get out. Um, so, you know, we actually had, we recognised that and she needed to get that support before she transitioned. Um, and then just basically, can they have conversations? Are they able to Uh, be free to separate from you reasonably okay. So there are sensitive kids, again, that, um, you know, that that may be really hard for them. But they're, like I said, there's a whole child that we are transitioning that is your child. And it doesn't matter what your neighbours are doing or your best friends are doing. It's your child. And over and over and I say that, I get messages saying, what should I do? And I say, okay, so have a look at the articles I've got on my website and then sit and observe your child for a few days, observe them in social situations. And if they're in a, you know, a, a child care situation, just check check in with your early childhood educator and then sit with it and see what does your instincts say as a mother of that child because one of the things we know, it isn't a race. Mm. And if it is, it's a race to nowhere because, of course, that's just ridiculous. Um, and... It's not about what will people think of my, I give my child more time to shine. Um, I have never met a parent who has ever regretted giving their child that extra year, uh, but I meet lots who do. So, uh, you know, they're all the things to put in the mix when we're making that big decision. What would you say to those parents who are thinking, oh, well, if they're not ready, they can just repeat kindy? Okay. It's a good question because that comes up a lot. So one of the key aspects that gets thrown up to people, so we're talking about the age of five here, aren't we? So it's a different name in all of the states across Australia and different things around the world. So the the year they do turn five um, is considered that's that transition year. So that is a year that they do start the formalised stuff. So my challenge is the year your child is four, 
That is the one if you can identify there's some vulnerabilities, let them have another year doing whatever that is. Now, the challenge for a lot of parents is if they're in a long daycare situation, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it is. You know, and I'm a really big advocate for universal free access for children, particularly three to four, so that they get that foundational year without costing parents um, anything. Because if they need another year, then it's 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 more doable for a lot more people. Um, so if that actually is is the best age. If they've got the five-year-old age and they're really floundering and they're really struggling and you can see that maybe the regressions we often see early in the year and that means um, sometimes kids return to bedwetting, thumb-sucking, um, they can have accidents, you know, um, they want to sit on your lap and pretend they're a baby. These are natural regressions of a big shift that happens for children. So um, if that continues past a few weeks, that's a bit of a red flag. So the the research, and this is one of those challenging things that I keep arguing why parents need to be having to have a voice around this and is that they prefer it not to have to repeat that year if possible. They prefer it to be the year that the children turn four. However, um, that isn't always an easy thing to do within some schools. It's actually easier before they turn up to do that. So that the research that shows that repeating a class can be problematic for some children, not all children, is research based around year three when our children are about eight. So there's not been much research on repeating that year, but my gut instinct would say if you've got a child who's really struggling with language formation, still struggling to sit on the mat without, you know, doing roly-polies and everything, which is probably a boy, <laughs> um, give them that give them that more, more time to shine if you possibly can. I want to throw a couple of other things in too. Siobhan, if you have um, a late year baby, everyone knows what that means, um, close to the cutoff, where are they in their birth order? Because we know that children, if you've got a, and you know I have lambs and roosters, most roosters just challenge themselves. They've got more energy and they have a go at things and they've got more guts and courage from the get-go. So many of them, you know, can transition quite well if all of those areas that I've touched on are pretty okay. Our sensitive children take longer to shine, take longer to feel safe. Um, and so sometimes if a you've got a really sensitive child, you will have to look into, okay, how good are they at me leaving them with other people? Do they get upset easily over what sorts of things? So again, if there's not some stuff you can practice with them, then maybe that's just all it is about letting them be bigger, stronger and braver in 12 months' time. But if you are, have got two older siblings and then that's the sensitive one, chances are they've had two siblings, giving them the workaround. They've also <laughs> been copying the older siblings while they do their homework. Like it's interesting because one of mine, um, Miss Ellie, is five. She's off uh, right now. And uh, in that preparation year, little Alfie, who's only 18 months younger, whenever she was down colouring, he'd be doing it. Now, I could not get a dent boy to sit down and colour in. I could not get them to sit down and try and write their name, sorry, even though I'm a teacher. I just they just wouldn't buy it. But with sisters, yeah, sometimes they just copy them. So, again, that's another factor. So there's temperament, birth order, and also what are the extra stressors are in your life as a parent right now. We know that this has been a difficult year for children ready to transition because they, you know, haven't spent as much time out and about with others. But um, And that, that orientation stuff might be very, very different for some. We just know it's about making it as familiar as possible. So we might have to do pretend classes at home, set all their 
stuff toys up and pretend we're going to be looking up here and let's have a go at that and it's your turn to put your hand up and if you need to go to the toilet this is so we actually might do some lots of pretending because our children's imagination is real to them so rather than just go oh my gosh what can I do um you can just once again, use pretend play to also facilitate some of the things like, see you later, mum. Yep. <laughs> um, I know I, when this discussion came up when my own kids and I was, I was thinking about what to do with my son in particular, I found a lot of parents talking about the end of a child's schooling experience when they were trying to work out whether to um, delay starting school for a year. Um, does that bit matter? I mean, I just couldn't fast forward to whether they'd be 16 or 17 in their final year of school and whether that was important. But there seemed to be a lot of parents who did think that was important. Isn't that interesting? Because I'm going to tell you that the maturity of 17 and 18 year olds is is kind of basically similar. If you thought they were going to be suddenly much more mature at 18, (laughs) you're dreaming. Um, And as somebody else said to me, you know, if I would prefer it if my child's in a car with other mates, I prefer them to be driving in the back seat. I'm going to say that really the maturity of our kids is another thing that we're cultivating and developing. There's no question, but there's sometimes really immature 25-year-olds. So the maturity of our kids has to do with, yet yeah, definitely the way that we are parenting them, giving them responsibility, making them accountable. So I, I, I really used to scratch my head, having taught that age group in a, in a given class of 17 and 18-year-olds, you know, that there's hardly any difference in that window. The fact that an 18-year-old is legally able to drink versus a 17-year-old who will drink because anyone's drinking or risk-taking behaviour is normal or um, I just want to do it, see what it's like, you know, all of those sorts of things. It's a very it's a very grey kind of area. The age really doesn't impact um, a lot of our kids who, if that's been normalised in their life or their friends are doing it. So, again, it's, it's not just that black and white. I would be really much more focused on if I could give my child more time so that when they transition in, they're not struggling. And that's a, that is the word that when I hear that from parents who have children who are struggling in year three because the school did not give them the flexibility to give them that extra year to shine, my heart breaks because I know those kids when they get to year eight and nine. I've taught those kids. And it's really hard being a teen or a tween who struggles when they may not have struggled anywhere near that much if they'd been given more time to, you know, be able to master some of those basics that we seem to be in such a hurry for. And can I throw a couple of tips out for those who've got little boys? Yes, please do. <laughs> um, one of the very first things is that Steve Bedoff does argue that boys actually struggle with separation distress at a higher rate than girls. So even though your boy just wants to go because their mates, you know, are there, um, it, the actual expectations of some of them is too high. But one of the things I do suggest is please don't oversell school you're going to love it. It's going to be fabulous. Your friends are going to be there. You know, they come home so disillusioned two weeks later saying it sucks because <laughs> they compare it to what they did the year before when they had more freedom and boys are hungry for freedom and movement. And the second one is um, don't tell them they're going to learn to read because I've had two of mine come home, you know, week one and go, well, I can't learn to read. It's no point going back because <laughs> um, they're not sharp, right? 
So again, if we oversell it, then we've got to kind of recontextualize it a little bit later. Um, is that this is what we do. This is what everyone has to do. And um, there's parts of it that are going to be fun and there's going to be parts that, you know, it's going to be a bit hard, but we've all, we all do it and we do it because education gives us great opportunities in life. In other words, we, we sell the fact that education is going to give us some tools with which we can navigate our life better rather than it being just, you know, school. One of the things I worried about with my son, which didn't eventuate, but I'm sure there are other parents thinking this, um, I decided to give him an extra year and it meant that all of his friends, his little friends who were about his age or a bit older, they moved on. And at the time I was really worried that he would, one, be sad because his friends had moved on and two, start getting bored because... um, you know, he was a bit older than the other kids in the group. Now, I know what my experience has been with that, but I'm wondering if you could talk to that for parents who might be worried now. Yeah, that's such a good point. Okay, so the first thing is is that um, boys and friendships are a really interesting thing. And there's an article on my website called Fragile Boy Friendships, which went right around the world. And it is that they form friendships by proximity. It's who they spend most time with. So if they've been in a setting and they've spent a lot of time when they transition into big school with those children, uh, particularly if it's, you know, and they, they, they're they not really fussy normally early on. They'll, they'll transition with girls and boys. Obviously, that transition can work better. So go back. If they're going to be not in that group the next year and they're going to be with different children, Usually they still have access to those children in recess and lunch. They come and say, I can still play with them at lunchtime and recess. And before you know it, they've also buddied up with someone else who they've found, you know, so they can actually make a new friend, but they've already got the old friends. So that actually can still work. Um, And bored? Oh, gosh, as if. Uh, Seriously, (laughs) you're going to give boys a little bit more time to be a bit more free, feral, wild, move as much as they can um, and do things that look incredibly, um, you know, uh, sometimes destructive with their toys. (laughs) They are doing everything they need to do to help their brain get into the state where I will be able to sit and concentrate. So again, the golden benefits from not containing a little boy who may need more of that time and energy and often they are more immature. They are often later being able to develop their uh, fine motor skills for writing. They're often later with uh, language development. We've got all the neuroscience to show that now. And the Longitudinal Study of Australian Children and the Australian Early Childhood Census both factor in that boys can transition more, you know, more with more challenge than our girls. So again, it's not a huge number of them, but it is a significant number of them. So tell me your story, um, Siobhan. Well, what was really interesting with my son was that firstly, he was a little bit sad when the others moved on to school, but he became this great hero to all the little kids in his, like everyone wanted to play with him. Everyone wanted to know. He was the big kid in the, he was the big fish in the little pond, but it has made him incredibly empathetic to smaller children. So even now that he's in, he's in primary school now and he's doing really well um all of my friends who have smaller children love him coming for play dates because he will he just has empathy for 
kids that are smaller than him. So that was a surprise. Yeah. He, he definitely didn't get bored. Uh, when he came to school this year, which has been a weird year, um, he would, he just runs off at the gate. Yes. Like he's, he's, got, he's got no qualms. I mean, he did have the exposure because he's got an older sister, yeah. um, but he has transitioned really well. So I, you're 100% right. I had no regrets. And I about love that, him an extra what year. you've just said about the older child. This is one of those things. If you want to prepare your child, say you don't have any older siblings um, or you've got a sensitive child, the more that you can have them play with older children mixed in a mixed company, the faster our children grow and develop on all levels. This is one of the things that's shifted in modern kind of times is that A, you don't have as many children and you're not as close to extended cousins and families and also children weren't playing with neighbourhoods as much as they were, although some neighbourhoods have gone back to it. It's That is actually what accelerates children's um, social and emotional growth is they want to copy the big kids. So how beautiful that instead of being, um, you know, what could have been considered the the boy less than, he mm. was the boy more than, and it gave him a beautiful experience of feeling valued for yeah. being the big kid. I just, and I have heard that quite a few times from other other parents as well. And what they did notice was um, the child does adjust, you know, like we know every child takes time to adjust. And before you know it, they're looking, you know, they they this is exactly where they need to be right now. So they don't know that they could be twice as tired or they could be struggling with all the things that we know they may struggle with. Um, and I still think around the edges of this, still prioritise play after your children are transitioning, not organised activities for at least the first term, if not the second, because it is exhausting for our littles to go into these environments that are much more structured um, even though so many of them have been in long daycares for quite some time, there's more structure, there's more children, there's a bit more unpredictability. You're navigating recess and lunch, there's different kids. It is exhausting for them. So what the last thing they need is to have more stuff after school. So do everything you can to kind of let them restore themselves after until they get able to, their system will gradually adapt and that's what the brain does. When it learns a new form of predictability, our kids can, you know, thrive. And I think the other one is to keep in mind that if you're really quite concerned um, about your child in those first weeks, leave it till Easter, mm-hmm. right? Leave it till Easter and keep having conversations with your early childhood teacher. Make a time frame. Don't just try and catch up with them before class or after class because it's, it's pretty crazy sometimes. Um but make it make a chance, and we know that you can email nowadays. Make sure you email within uh, working hours, not two o'clock in the morning. Just saying, I'm just a little bit. Con- this is what someone so you know he said to me today, and I'm a little bit worried about that. That's great, uh, but you really do need to trust that um, that our teachers, particularly our experienced teachers, have been transitioning children of all sorts for a very very long time, and you need to trust that they will come to you when they have a genuine concern, and that's when you can respond together as a kind of team. Mm. Maggie, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, best, best wishes. And everybody know you, as a parent, are the best judge of whether your child is ready for big school. Brilliant. That's Maggie Dent. She's a parenting educator, author, and host of the ABC podcast, Parental as Anything. I will put a link to the article Maggie mentioned, Fragile Boy Friendships, in the notes of this episode, as well as where you can find everything that you need to know about Maggie. 
Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.